As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Steigcast, the German football pod brought to you by The Athletic. In today's episode, we discuss Bayern beating Dortmund 3-2 in an excellent game that's left everyone strangely hopeful that the Bundesliga could actually be very exciting this year. Christoph Biermann will be here to espouse his usual dose of favoritism and Yellow Wall's pod very own Lars Pohlmann tells us what it all means for Borussia's title chances. There's also a chance to discuss last weekend's other humdinger, Leverkusen's 4-3 win over Gladbach, before we turn our attention to the happy state of Union. They're living life to the max at the moment, cruising through the forest in Köpenick to hit fifth spot in the table. All of this and a little more in Starcast. Welcome Christoph and Lars and welcome you dear listener. Before we get going, remember that The Athletic's fine content is available for £1 per week at the moment. Go to theathletic.com slash pod and sign up. It'll be the best sub since Mario Goetze in 2014. Last, we'll start with you. Is this a defeat you can live with or are you ruining the missed chances like Mats Hummels did? I think you have to rule missed chances whenever you play well enough to get a decent result against Bayern, whether... A draw was, you know, more the correct scoreline or even a Dortmund win, I think. Had that come about, I don't know that Bayern would have been able to say too much about it uh, because of the chances. I think uh, if you look at this game, the difference is Bayern scored three deflected goals, uh, as Mats Hummels said after the game, and Dortmund had a couple of sliced shots from Haaland and Marco Reus skied a volley. So whenever you do have this amount of attacking output against the greatest side in the world right now, you you have to rule not converting, I think. Yeah, Bayern were there for the taking one day, Christoph. Is that the reason why, why we feel perhaps slightly encouraged by this game, even though it finished with a result that many had feared another Bayern win? At first, I, I would like to say how good it was in a very old-fashioned sporting sense. It was 
great sport. So there is not too much controversy about it. Uh, also, it was just two teams who who tried their best, who made some mistakes, and we we can talk about missed chances. We can talk about maybe even the VAR uh, uh, taking uh, two goals away from Bayern, where the uh, players were offside, like uh, one and a half centimeters or so. But my main impression was so good, and I liked it so much, and and I, I also felt it in a way uh, encouraging for the uh, quality of the Bundesliga, but also for the quality of the title race. Yes, the a draw would be maybe the uh, uh, the result that uh, were reflecting more what was going on on the pitch, but it get, altogether it gave me the impression that we probably won't have uh, this kind of boring title race uh, we, we had in, 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 in recent years uh, very often. And um, yeah, so, so I left it, although I was, was a bit disappointed by the result with the, I left, uh, ended the, the, um, the match with a good feeling uh, for, the, for what will be going on in the Bundesliga. I think you're right. We should probably mention that it was an outstanding game. It had everything uh, without any of the controversy, perhaps, you know, a couple of VR decisions aside, but even they looked by the end fairly straightforward. Joshua Kimmich, of course, uh, got injured trying to foul Erling Haaland in one of those moments where perhaps re divine retribution was very swift and maybe even harsh. He'll be out for a couple of months with a tall meniscus. But I guess we, we need to talk about two things here. One, Dortmund played like a team that really went for it, a team that seemed to believe in themselves, a team that played with a high line, that forced the issue, that stretched the game, which played into their hands. But also Bayern showed some, some of the weaknesses that we had seen before, or shall we say Dortmund exposed them. Um, before we go on and talk a bit more about Bayern, Lars, uh, Dortmund... Was this one of those games where, if we leave the result aside, Dortmund tend to do well. They can be a bit more uh, transition-focused. They don't have to touch so much, take so many touches against deep opposition when they can look quite passive and sleepy. Can they somehow take that game plan and the same mentality, I would say, into those lesser games and be more a, a more consistent side in the process? I think that's going to prove very hard to do. I think this was a very opponent-specific approach by Dortmund because usually you don't see them splash all those long balls. I think they, they had more than 70 long balls, basically throwing Haaland and, and even Reyna and Sancho at some times uh, in, into sprinting duels against Bayern's defense, which was obviously down both their usual fullbacks, although I don't know if Hernandez hasn't overtaken Davies at this point. But, you know, mentality-wise, perhaps, but as you said, they were de definitely helped by the fact that the, the onus of uh, making the game wasn't on them, at least for, let's say, the first hour or so. I think this was a smart game plan by, by Favre. He knew from the last few meetings that they basically didn't have uh, a chance against Uh, Hansi Flick's pressing approach, which is arguably the outstanding quality of this Bayern side, I would say. So they, they went with an approach that worked against that. And I don't know how many other teams, you know, will will face that kind of challenge for Dortmund. So 
while in theory it, it, it was a nice throwback almost to uh, I don't want to say the Klopp era necessarily but you know <laughs> oh, you just have <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it was it wasn't it wasn't you know a typical Lucien Favre game at, at any rate so uh, in that sense it was encouraging but I also I'm not sure I actually agree with the fact that they were at their best when they hoofed those long balls forward I think Actually, the, the best spell of Dortmund came when Bellingham came in for Delaney and they had more of a ball carrier in midfield and, and they connected better forwards. Uh, so I, I actually wasn't particularly happy with the starting 11 decisions by Favre, but I think the, uh, not necessarily result, but you know the performance kind of merited it afterwards. Christoph, like you, I'd like to think that the, we will have a more open title race and I think while it's easy to make arguments for why for why Bayern will be less consistent and we move on to that in a second is there an argument to be made though that Dortmund can find those same performance levels at a more regular uh, at more regular intervals combined perhaps with Leipzig and, and Gladbach and maybe Leverkusen so I guess what I'm, what I'm really asking is yes Bayern are weaker can anyone take advantage uh, hopefully um, hopefully, most likely Borussia Dortmund. Although you still had the feeling, if you if you compare the individual uh, quality of the players, yes, that the quality that Brian brings onto the pitch is is uh, yes, it's 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 better. But my belief in in Lucien Favre has has been growing in in recent weeks again. I mean, I had my doubts, and uh, but now I have the feeling that. Uh, Favre is doing Favre uh, things, and that is um, concentrate on tactics. I mean, uh, we we already had discussed uh, last week a bit his switch from a three-man defense to a four-man defense, and um, uh, obviously that was a good decision. And and also um, uh, the tactics that uh, uh, Lars uh, described. I think it it was a, a very good um, match plan game plan um, for the Bayern Munich match, but but yes, we have to see if that is uh, the start of of an era, <laughs> at least uh, during this season of more more consistency, or if it's just a yeah uh, some good or some okay matches. Actually, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, because Borussia Dortmund has been so inconsistent um, over the last season and at uh, points in the season where you would, wouldn't expect it. Yeah, I'm not sure it's the start of an era. I think he might have left a little bit too late for that, Lucien Favre, but um, <laughs> maybe a, a, a um, lovely way to finish his, his time at Dortmund. Although, of course, uh, he might might yet find himself, uh, himself with a renewed contract if he continues like that. Um, Lars, as someone who perhaps doesn't watch Bayern quite as intensely as as Dortmund, what what did you make of them? I mean, they had some unbelievable situations in attack where Lewandowski seemed indefensible. Gnabry's pace against Munier was was tough to see, I think, from a Dortmund point of view. But at the same time, they had huge gaps in midfield, which only became bigger once uh, Joshua Kimmich came off. 
What do you make of this buy and side? As you said, I don't really follow them too closely because most of the time it's almost depressing for you know a Dortmund person, not to say fan, watching how good this buy and side are. I said earlier the the outstanding quality to me is the their pressing, but overall the intensity with which they do basically everything right on the pitch is is, is quite outstanding to watch. Especially if you see a team that is so flippant in in how they approach games uh, from time to time more closely. So overall, I think this was arguably one of the weaker performances Bayern have had under Flick, which I've seen anyway. But as you said, they still had so many uh, very, very strong moments in attack. I, I do believe that they've shipped a number of goals this season, which uh, is quite uncharacteristic for the individual talent they have in Defense and midfield. I don't know if uh, they have the balance right now that they don't have Thiago anymore. I mean, uh, he was kind of a facilitator both ways, I would say. And, and obviously, Kimmich is a fantastic player, but I don't know if he has the same impact that Thiago used to have on on a more regular basis last season when he wasn't injured. Obviously, he's uh, he was always kind of injury prone at Bayern. I think you you also see uh, you know the that this level of intensity that they have. Uh, applied under Flick is kind of hard to hold up, especially with the schedule as it is these days. Um, I think if you look at some of these guys they've brought in as backup options, Buna Saar, for example, I thought was by far the worst Bayern player on the pitch on Saturday. Not sure he has Bayern quality. I don't know that he ever played in the Champions League before signing for them, for example. So, you know, if, if we want to look at this from the angle of the title race being more open, I think... Obviously, the, the special circumstances of this season will affect Bayern more than perhaps a few other sides. So in, in that sense, it, it's, a, it's a positive for us if we are looking for more you know, drama in the Bundesliga. Yeah, this was only the second time in the Hansi Flick era that an opponent outscored them in terms of chances created. Bayern's XG 1.1, Dortmund 2.0, albeit slightly skewed by the fact that Lewandowski had two goals ruled off narrowly from offside and... A chance from Haaland that would have been offside wasn't flagged because the goal didn't go in and VR didn't have to intervene. But still, after the Hoffenheim defeat, only the second time that the opposition had threatened Bayern more than vice versa. Uh, Christoph, is that an effect that we might see more of now that uh, Kimmich will be missing, now that Bayern will be even more stretched, will be more tired? And uh, I seem to detect this undercurrent in, in the team when beginning of the season Leon Goretzka was saying well maybe we have to tone down this game a little bit to to deal with this and I found it very interesting that Hansi Flick immediately after the Dortmund game when Goretzka again had talked about Bayern's defensive wobbles immediately gently but still quite firmly reminded Goretzka that uh, Bayern's problems probably stemmed from the fact that the midfield didn't press enough so there is something in that game that makes it very difficult to play when you're not at 100% either in terms of the freshness nor in terms of or in terms of personnel and of course these two things go together are we seeing a Bayern Munich team that will kind of pay the price a little bit for for this approach you think in the next few weeks I think the season in a lot of competition will be decided who is uh, able to uh, manage the load best and and when you look at what happened uh, to Bayern um, they have Alfonso Davis out, Pavar out um, they will have jo uh, Joshua Kimmich out for a long time I don't know what the Sule uh, situation is he was um, tested uh, COVID positive and is out for the moment maybe longer 
Um, so what we have to have in mind is that the team who gets that best will have a big uh, advantage over the competitors. And um, But coming back to your question, so is their uh, approach to the game too energy absorbing? I don't think so, uh, because um, the, the core quality is that they have immensely increased the numbers of sprints um, over the um, uh, under Hansi Flick. And uh, sprints not necessarily take um, uh, take away too much of of the energy if they are not long. I mean, they they uh, uh, take a lot of the muscle energy, and and you have uh, you have to be prepared for this. But but overall, it's it's uh, uh, even it can be even a way to spare energy, and I think that's what uh, Hansi Flick said. But you also have the other part of this, and that is a a mental thing uh, because it means you have to be. Uh, concentrated uh, to be in the game for all the time and uh, you you don't have the time to relax there and maybe that's something that uh, Leon Goretzka wanted to address. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I think we're all quite hopeful that the Bundesliga is perhaps not quite as broken as it looked when Bayern last time narrowly defeated Dortmund in that one win which clinched the title. Uh, this time Bayern winning again, but perhaps leaving slightly more questions open for their own comfort. Now, a team that we all have been very complimentary about in recent weeks was Borussia Mönchengladbach. They've been going very, very strong both domestically, but especially in the Champions League. Um, yet they suffered a, a pretty painful 4-3 defeat against Leverkusen in a game that uh, Marco Rosa described as wild in the latter stages. Uh, Christoph, was this sort of the almost inevitable setback against a very good opposition where maybe you're just not quite on your game and all the things that have gone right for you and you're at the top of your level for a long time, maybe that kind of little drop-off is something that's just natural for a team of, of Gladbach's level. I would totally agree on that. And Gladbach was very unhappy about their performance, conceding four goals. Uh, some of them with defensive errors, uh, they normally don't do. But um, so it was a was a bit like uh, a hard 
drop from the cloud they were coming from after uh, defeating uh, Shakhtar Donetsk 6-0. Tough landing. Tough landing, yeah. <laughs> and um, I... Uh, But, but but I think um, in the end, everybody will be in a way okay with it. I mean, it was frustrating that it happened at Leverkusen because there's constantly the, the feeling that Leverkusen and Gladbach are the, the, the two teams who are fighting for the fourth place in the Champions League. Um, Uh, uh, last season, uh, uh, Gladbach was fourth, uh, uh, jumping onto the place in the last day of the season and uh, the season before vice versa. Uh, so this is a defeat that hurts on the one hand side, but I think it's, it won't cause uh, too much headache for Marco Rose and, and his team. And I think they're all very happy. Uh, that they have an international break now. Yeah, I think that goes for us as journalists as well. But is it time we should take Leverkusen a bit more seriously? I don't think we've ever really talked about this on uh, about them on the podcast. Um, without Harvard, they they kind of lacked X factor to get neutrals really excited. But do you think we've maybe underestimated them a little bit? Well, first of all, I wouldn't say that uh, even with Harvard, they were you know the at the pinnacle of anyone's interest in Germany. That's just the nature of Bayer Leverkusen as a club i think obviously the losing him and, and also uh, kevin folland hurt but they kind of found fool's gold in a way because peter bosch is now especially also that patrick schick is injured uh, forced to play uh, lucas alario who uh, whom i've always rated as one of the more underrated goal scorers and strikers in the bundesliga and and he's uh, obviously he decided basically the game against gladbach now I think he has like seven league goals in his last four games uh, ever since he's uh, been put in the starting 11. So he's kind of the catalyst of this recent uh, development at Leverkusen. I think they, just like Gladbach, actually didn't have a great start to the season and drew, drew a couple of games they arguably should have won. I remember against Stuttgart, for example. So coming back to your general question, I think there's, there's still some doubt as to how much quality there is in, in this Leverkusen side, I think. And they under Peter Bosch always tend to have a couple of, you know, weird results in a season where they just don't show up for games they should be winning relatively easily. So I think Europa League is more likely for them just by going by the quality of the of last season's top four, whom I uh, expect to be top four again this season. But I mean, I don't think the margins between even Leipzig, Gladbach and Leverkusen are as large as, you know, that being completely unrealistic for Leverkusen to um, get in that echelon, if you like. What I found surprising is um, um, how good Leon Bailey was against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach because he had a difficult time um, in the past and um, and also how it, it's um, interesting to see how consistent uh, Florian Wirtz is. So um, obviously uh, it already looks a bit like Bayer Leverkusen has uh, found the uh, new Kai Harvards within their uh, own Not in their own youth team because they picked him up from 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 Cologne, but as a youth player, and that's very um, impressive. Uh, but I agree with Lars. I think it's um, they are probably altogether more a Europa League team uh, than a Champions League team. Yeah, Florian Wirtz, they're looking very impressive for for Leverkusen, who are just three points clear of our surprise uh, team in fifth. That's Union Berlin, yes, the Union Berlin are, are fifth. 
uh, State of the Union uh, is a thing in Germany. Uh, maybe things are looking up here as well for them. Um, Christoph, a 5-0 win over Bielefeld. Okay, Bielefeld perhaps not the, the best opponent they will face, but still, this is a remarkable successful run in this opening stage of the of the season for a team that was fighting against relegation last season. Yeah, I, I, I tend to say it's not my union anymore <laughs> because uh, oh. uh, uh, they uh, when, when I followed them uh, last season um, uh, to, to to write the uh, to write a book about it it was uh, very well structured but very often uh, quite dry uh, uh, football and now they start uh, to play a very entertaining football actually and uh, that hasn't has partly to do with uh, the influence of um, uh, Max Kruse who is maybe the best player in a in a small team um, in in recent years I mean it's it's uh, in a way it's unbelievable that he plays for Union Berlin with all his quality he still has at, um, at uh, 32 but uh, it's it's not only about him Union now so also the players who were there last season they uh, have the they play out from the back they play a lot of combination um, they have they are good on the wings with Geraldo Becker and um, Keita Endo um, on, on, on the left wing. So it was all, yeah, it was fun to watch. Um, and, uh, and they deserved the 5-0. I mean, uh, Bielefeld was weak, but also uh, Union Berlin was uh, uh, pretty strong, pretty impressive. Do you think they'll be allowed to stage UEFA Champions League games at Alte Försterei? <laughs> If nobody comes, yes. <laughs> no, no chance, I, I think. Or, or, or they had to buy a lot of chairs to screw them in or whatever solution you find. Or you have to go to the Olympia Stadium. But I think before they go there, um, every Union supporter give them a hand to to uh, rebuild the stadium again. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's quite a remarkable um, achievement. Um, Christoph touched upon it la last, but I think we have to pay respects to Max Kruse, um, a player who's not always the um, epitome of professional but still seems to have a fantastic effect on on games and on his teammates whenever he does uh, play in, in such a central position um, in the sense that, you know, teams kind of seem to gel and coalesce around him. I mean, he scored a goal, he made three assists. Is he just one of those players who can transform attacking departments of a team? Apparently so. Um, I mean... I, I would definitely echo what Christoph said. I mean, it's it's quite hard to believe that a player of this quality is is playing for uh, arguably the lesser side of Berlin, let alone one of the you know less talented side of sides of the Bundesliga. I actually made a point in a couple of years now that Dortmund should have signed him because he's the the kind of player that would uh, that that far got a lot of a lot out of uh, at Gladbach and and would get a lot out of in like a. Uh, deputy role if you like at Dortmund that didn't happen I think Cruz's career is kind of fascinating to to think back on I think he's he's one of those stories of what could have been I think 
He only had like 14 appearances for the national team before he was uh, let go in a bit of disgrace for off-the-field transgressions that you kind of alluded to earlier. So, I mean, from from a talent perspective, I think this should have been a guy, you know, with 70 or so caps for Germany and playing for the biggest clubs in, in the league. But I, I think he kind of likes being in these underdog situations with teams revolving around him, at least on the pitch. I think he uh, doesn't necessarily want all the attention on himself on a personal level off the pitch. But yeah, I mean, him him making Union interesting to watch for for neutrals like myself in 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 that case uh i that's not something necessarily i would have predicted before the season no i don't think anyone uh would have um thank you christoph thank you lars for a look back at one of the most exciting matches of the bundesliga so far we can only hope that it will continue like that and more importantly that you will stick with us dear listener tune back after the international break when we're back with another starcast episode thank you very much (music) 